a summer of psalms. This has been an encouraging series for me. And I've been able to immerse myself in a psalm of my choice, which was also a blessing. And as many spiritual journeys are, I ended up in a different place than I had expected in my journey with this psalm. And I'm looking forward to taking you uh, on some of my reflections and some of the things that I've been integrating from this psalm in my life. I've had some friends who have wondered why in light of the current headlines are we preaching a series on the Psalms here at Azure Hills rather than from Daniel and Revelation. I have not been oblivious to the headlines. There are conflicts and wars in the news. There is climate headlines that are in the news. There's violence in the news. A lot of political anticipation in the news. Um, doesn't excite me very much, it seems. But I would say that Daniel and Revelation do inform my perspective on a daily basis. Having an understanding that there is a great controversy makes a difference. The devil is alive and well. Jesus is alive and well, but so is the other side. And we feel the effects of that, don't we? Knowing that I get Sabbath rest every week and I can take what Sabbath does with me through the week makes a difference for me. Knowing that I have a Savior who is my high priest makes a difference for me. A few weeks ago, Emma Tatuski made the news because she got stuck. Evidently, she had gotten off a trail and into the mud in Borderland Park and had been there for about three days before people who were walking in the park heard her cries for help. She knew what it was like to feel abandoned and all alone. And David appears to have had that experience as well in the psalm that I chose, Psalm 69. I chose this psalm because when asked the question, how are things going, David did not just say, fine. He kind of lays it out there. And I have been drawn to how graphically he describes his distress. 
I don't want to be the kind of person, though, that people are sorry that they asked how things are going. It can be a hard balance to, to, to do, but it's, we need some place where we can let people know how things are going, how they're really going. I have a friend who almost always asks me twice how things are going. I'll give an answer and then she'll look at me and she'll say, no, really. It's kind of that reset of saying, okay, this is going to be a safe place. And those, I'm hungry, I've discovered for those safe places. I've appreciated your prayers and your interests in my well-being. I feel like I've kind of stabilized at 50 or 60% of my capacity. It's kind of where I am now. But I've determined that I will ask for help from God every day. I'm not going to quit asking until I have no breath to do that anymore. Because I know that he's able. And that's okay. I would like, I feel the pressure though sometimes that when I'm asked how things are going to give a better report because people, because they love me, they want to see an improvement. And that's not always the case, is it? Uh, It's, I feel like I'm disappointing you in your prayers if I'm not able to give a better report. But that's the way things are, and we'll, I'll tell you some more about how this psalm has informed my journey as we continue through it. But Psalm 69 is a psalm, it's described as being in 10 stanzas. It's a song, it's written to be sung to the tune of the lilies. And I can't teach you the tune of the lilies because I don't know what it is. We, it's unknown, but someday we'll have David lead us to the tune of the lilies as we are able to sing a song um, of Moses and the Lamb. That will be pretty exciting to do. But it's a heartfelt psalm. It's a psalm of help, a cry for help, one of the most, one of the longest and most complex of the prayers and cries for help that we find in the Psalms. We begin in verse 1. That's probably a good place to begin. Where we read this. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. So we begin this psalm with David not in a good spot. He's feeling overwhelmed, and we continue, he immediately moves from this cry to help to describe what his situation is, which is, I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold, I have come into deep waters, the floods engulf me, I am worn out calling for help, my throat is parched, my eyes fail, looking for my God. David's been in this situation for a while. 
We would like for troubles to quickly come and quickly disappear because we have a relationship with God that gets us out quickly. The Psalms remind us that that isn't necessarily our experience, that we have to work with, we have to stay with this sometimes for a while. Some of you have been for a long while in whatever your situation is. And I trust that this Psalm will give you more courage about that kind of situation. But he's worn out. His eyes have dried up. His throat, he has no voice left because he's been at this. And not getting the outcome that he is looking for. So I was drawn to this psalm. Uh, there, There were things that I was relating to about this. So we start here realizing that David has not had a good day. He's not had a good week. I've actually had a better week. I was talking to my wife about how things were going and she says, you know, I've seen improvements. And that's nice to hear from my wife. I had not felt like I was seeing those, but she was feeling like there was more stamina and more focused than she's seen in a while. So I will receive that as good news in my life. It's good to be able to stand here and have some anticipation about what we're going to share in the next few minutes. But where are you? If you were going to show me by where your hand goes on a scale of one being to your right, or your left I guess will be, your left, better going to your right. If you're looking at being abandoned, being all alone, being adopted into family, being surrounded by support, where, where, where are you? Just kind of show me with your hand, which, which direction are you right now? Where have you been? Okay, thank you. If we look at being exhausted or exhilarated, kind of on the same, where, where are you? So there was, this morning I'm kind of over here, had you asked me three days ago, I would have been over on the other side. So I'm glad life changes. If you look at isolated or inundated, Inundated being you're, you're surrounded by friends. You, you might feel inundated by other things, but this is by, 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 by good support and people. Um, so, thank you. So, the, the cool thing about life is that we're all someplace on the continuum. We may not be in the same place on the continuum that I am, but we're, we're community and we're gonna find ourselves on the continuum, that it is this life that brings us together, that connects us. And so there's gonna be some place for us to find connection with David today because we're on this continuum. And David, brings us to that first way in which we squeeze 
praise out of pain, which is that we own the pain. To be able to name it, to be able to acknowledge that this is part of our experience. My hope is that it has been really mild for you this week, that it is not needed to be intense. But it may have been. If it has been, I'm grateful that you are here today and that you can find sanctuary by being here. David's trouble was compounded, though, because of his feeling like he wasn't being heard, that nobody knew what was going on. And because nobody knew what was going on, he wasn't getting the help that he needed to change. That's a hard place to be. Not only have circumstances bad, but then for there to feel like there's no way out of those hard circumstances. We can feel like Paul Marcarelli when he's standing there, can you hear me now? David felt like he wasn't being heard. Now, I appreciate David because in one psalm you can read that he's waiting patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry and lifted me out of the pit. And then other places he's like this psalm, I cried until my, I had no voice left and God still wasn't showing up. Just having more faith doesn't fix things. At least that's been my experience. Now, it's not to say that not having more faith doesn't make any difference or that you shouldn't have more faith, but it's not part of a formula. Faith is not part of a formula, but it's an integral part of our experience. Because all the time I'm faced with situations that I can't see through. But faith is connecting me to realities that aren't as visible. But faith connects us to reality. That's one thing that I've lived long enough to appreciate is that those unseen things of God are real. They're not fantasies. And we can hang on to them and they do make a difference for us. I'm impressed though that David and in his distress, in the next verses that we read, begins to look at another reason why he was able to squeeze praise out of pain and that he was thinking about more than just himself. And I've realized that the more quickly I can think about someone else when I am distressed, the better my outlook becomes. David's experience is this, in verse six. Lord Yahweh Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. It appears here that David, in 
as low as he was feeling about himself, was fearful that his experience could drag someone else down with him. And he's praying for protection. He's, he, he wants the best for those in his community. I appreciate that. I feel included that David wants the best outcome for me, and I, he wants the best outcome for you, and he can say that because God's desire for you is for your best. He doesn't stop here though. He continues to describe more of his distress. He does this three times in the Psalms. And in verse 10, we pick this up and he says, when I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me. I am the song of the drunkards. It is within this passage that Jesus quoted when he was cleansing the temple, recorded in John chapter two, when he says, zeal for your house consumes me. This is the the passage where that, the psalm that that comes from. David's best intentions are being misread, misinterpreted, He is being put down for his best intentions. And I read this, and this is a call for me to be a better part of the community. It's easy for me to read this in terms of all the times in which I have been disrespected. But I found that this time when I was reading through this psalm, it was a call for me to be a better member of the community. That if someone is living their convictions and I am in community with them, I want to be able to support that individual and not undermine where they are going as David seems to have felt in this situation. Jesus even as a young person, told his parents, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? This was the way in which Jesus lived. Jesus lived by principle and conviction. And we know that he was not always fully supported in that. But that doesn't let us off the hook by not offering the support that is due to people around us who are living with those convictions. I like this particular passage though because of how it plays with word pictures. David is writing a song about his experience. In fact, it's recorded here because he finished the song and submitted it and it became part of the worship experience. We're using it today in worship. So he's writing a song about himself, but in the song, it talks about other people singing a song 
about him, but with a very different intent and purpose. But he includes that. So there's this perverse part of me that it's kind of excited that taverns get included in church in this verse because the drunkards are singing. And it's part of stanza three in this. But David has become a byword. In today's society, it seems like bywords can happen pretty quickly. You can become a Karen overnight, and people know about that. I feel sorry for people called, named Karen. It's been a harder life for them. But there have been Benedict Arnolds, there have been Judases, but there have been Daniels and Marys and Ruths and Esthers and Abrahams and other people that become well known for who they were and what they stood for. I would like to live in a way that people would feel honored to name their child Stephen because of where that takes them. To be a byword. David lets me know that I can better squeeze praise out of pain when I'm part of family, when I'm connected. So we kind of see the opposite of that as the psalm begins, but he begins to draw us in because of what he is sharing. I read about his pain and his isolation and I can say, I remember when I've been like that. And I'm no longer as, as isolated and he is no longer isolated because he was willing to put his story on the table. So let's just put our story on the table. Let's just shout out what we want from God right now. What's a word that describes what you want from God? Think about that. On the count of three, we'll just shout that out. One, two, three, healing. Okay? Good. Everyone's heard what you need. We can move on from that. You, you don't feel very heard or recognized. It might be more effective if you'll, you'll turn to someone next to you or in front or behind you and share with one person what you're really needing from God. Go ahead. We're just going to take time for you to actually do that, that you can find someone to, to share with. What do you need.
Thank you. I'd like for you to also exchange phone numbers. Seriously, the reason for this is that it's really to tell somebody, I'm going to be praying for you, but I think many times we don't find tangible ways in which to follow that up. So the purpose of exchanging numbers is so that on Tuesday, you can text somebody and let them know that you're lifting up. In fact, you might even text a prayer regarding what you have shared. So that you're lifting them up, that you're claiming God's presence in their life over what you know. I'd like to do a better job of letting people know what my prayer is, not just that I am praying for them, but to actually send them a prayer when I think about them. And I've been doing better over the last year or so, I've done a better job of sending out prayers rather than just thinking about them. That we have plans to support. One of the things that really drew me in this journey with the psalm for me is that David experienced lack of support and I can do something about that in my world. It can't affect David's life, but I can affect the lives of people around me so that they are part of community. We squeeze praise out of pain by knowing that God loves us. And David says in verse 13, I pray to you, Yahweh, in the time of your favor, in the time of your great love, answer me with your sure salvation. This verse is full (laughs) of good promises. God's salvation is sure. God's love is present. We are, God is motivated by our best interest. And I can remember this. It doesn't say in this psalm how long it took David to cycle from verse one to verse 13. We're not aware of that. But he was able to move there. And I'm grateful that he was. We can more easily squeeze praise from pain by choosing praise. It's an option. (laughs) When I tell myself that God is good, if I'm able to verbalize, it's going to be okay. If I can smile when I say, it's going to be okay. If I can know that God has this, it makes a difference in my perspective. David says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him. 
this will please Yahweh more than an ox and more than a bull with its horns and hooves. God joys in our praise and it changes us too. So if we would sing, if you would sing with me, Amen, 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 Amen. I was floundering, Amen. No one hears me, Amen. Gonna talk to God about it. Amen. God give me healing. God build up my hope. Amen. Answer me in my distress. Amen. 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 Let us praise him. Shout hallelujah. We will have the victory. Amen. Amen. I feel better. Putting our experience out there, having a song that speaks to you for where you are is such a gift. And it's a gift that can be easily bypassed and overlooked if we don't practice it. So to choose praise and to act on it is a long way to getting to praise. David then goes from personal to universal. As he says, let heaven and earth praise him, the sea and all that move in them, for God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it, and the children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. What I discovered in my journey is that in the Psalms, we live in Jesus. This is his experience for us. And so, since the hero of Revelation is Jesus, I decided I could find some way to work in Revelation into a series from the Psalms. Chapter 12, verse 11 says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. That's our story. It can be our story when we live by the blood of Jesus. For those of you all wrapped up with climate change, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. Just a reminder that not everything is under our control. 
And it's going to be okay because we know how the story ends in Revelation. Finally, those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my people. Revelation 21.7. So how do we squeeze praise out of pain? Well, if God gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? So here it is, empty. Because this has to be your story, your song, your own lemonade. (laughs) You have to make it. You have to make it. But what the Psalms have shown me, especially in this journey, is that the Psalms aren't so much wrapped up in our pain as they are wrapped up in Jesus. And this story, our story, is really all about him. And that's where our praise comes from.